It's always an exciting time in the life of any church when we have uh, special events, and we do have a couple of those today. Jason and Lindsay Alford are dedicating their daughter, Jaylin, and Jason and Lindsay are also becoming members of Emmanuel Baptist Church today. So Jason, Lindsay, if you would bring Jaylin up here, please. Sometimes we're asked uh, at a Baptist church if we baptize infants. Now, that's something that comes out of my particular background, but we don't do that in a Baptist church. Instead, in a Baptist church, we perform a parent or baby dedication service, and in this service, the parents pledge to raise the child in a Christian environment. The child is dedicated to God and prayed for, and the church pledges its support for the child and the parents. And when the child is old enough to make her own decision, she may, accept a Jesus, may ex- decide to accept Jesus as Savior and be baptized, and for us, It is important that becoming a Christian is a decision that each person makes and is old enough to remember. Yeah, you need to bring her with you. (laughs) All right. So, here it is. Jason, Lindsay, God delights in children. He takes great pleasure in them, and they are one of the greatest gifts that he gives to husbands and wives. Psalm 127, verse 3, proclaims that sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward from Him. Because children are a gift from God, (laughs) there go the Cheerios, Um, it is natural that Christian parents present and dedicate their child to God. In the Gospels, we read that people brought little children and babies to Jesus so that He might place His hands on them and pray for them and bless them. And in the same way today, Jason and Lindsay have come to bring their daughter, Jaylin, presenting first themselves and then Jaylin before the Lord our God. Jason and Lindsay, I call your attention to the commands of God recorded in Holy Scripture. Deuteronomy 6 tells us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I don't know if you remember this, Jason, but with your interest in music, there was a hit song a number of years ago that went something like this. It said, teach your children well. Um, And uh, indeed, there is no higher calling for parents. Proverbs 10 reminds us that a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. And the best thing that moms and dads can teach their children is the fear of the Lord, because Proverbs tells us that this is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, the successful application of everything that Jaylin learns in life depends on her first learning to fear and follow God. And so the church urges you, Jason and Lindsay, to love God with every ounce and fiber of your being and to teach Jaylin to do the same. As you love God and one another, you will model before Jaylin a wonderful love for God that she will want for herself. Jason and Lindsay, by coming forward before God and his people, do you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourselves and Jaylin to the Lord? If so, please respond by saying, we do. Having come freely, I ask now that you enter into the following commitment in the presence of God and his people. And Lindsay, would you hand Jaylin to Jason as a sign of his spiritual headship in the family? So that Jaylin may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, do you, Jason and Lindsay, vow by God's help and in partnership with the church 
to provide for Jaylin a Christian home of love and peace, to raise her in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline, and to encourage her to one day trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. If so, please respond by saying, we do. All right, and then... As a church, we are a family, and it's not just up to Jason and Lindsay. It's up to the rest of us as well. And so I'm asking the church to make a vow as well. As believers in the body of Christ, we, all of us here, have a responsibility to teach the gospel story to our younger generation. In fact, the Old Testament prophet Joel commands us to tell of God's work to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. So I direct this question now to the congregation. Would you please stand? And having come freely here this morning, and especially for those of you who are a part of our Emmanuel family, I ask now that you make the following commitment before God and those who stand around you. So that Jaylin may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, do you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ to help Jason and Lindsay be faithful to God and to help teach and train Jaylin in the ways of the Lord so that she might one day trust him as Savior and Lord. If you accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, we do. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for Jason and Lindsay, and thank you for Jaylin. And we just pray your abundant blessing, Lord, upon this family, upon their other children as well. We ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct, and as they dedicate themselves and as they dedicate Jaylin to you, we just ask that you would grant them wisdom and protection and that you would guard her life from now through all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh-oh. All right, so there's the Cheerios. You may be seated, please. And here is, you wanted to read a verse to Jaylin. We want to do that. Where did that microphone go? Right here. Uh, we've, each, we've each picked a verse that we wanted to read for Jaylin, and that will be part of our raising of her and a verse that we want to give to her. So mine is Colossians 1, 9 and 10. And for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. We have pretty docile children. <laughs> All right, uh, another verse that we wanted to just uh, present uh, with you and share with you this morning as we dedicate Jalen is set of Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. Uh, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and, and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. All right. Okay, so here's Jalen's certificate. Now, if you, if you want to hang on to her while we do the membership thing, or... Okay. Okay, Doug, where are you? Coker. There he is. All right, to become a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, we basically ask people that uh, they give a testimony of, of their faith, and you're prepared to do that a little bit, okay? And uh, um, then we, um, there will be a, a uh, there is a recommendation from the Board of Deacons, and so I'm going to ask, um, do you want to just speak now and forever hold your, no. Um, all right. All right, uh, Lindsay wants me to go first. Uh, so we're just going to share uh, a little bit of our testimony, uh, each of us. And uh, for myself, uh, I still actually vividly remember the day I ac accepted Christ. I was only six, and I don't remember why. Um, I don't remember the, the things that led up to that, but I, I knew that uh, Jesus had died uh, for me. And because of that, uh, if I choose to um, accept that in my life, uh, that would be the start of a relationship with him, so I did that, and uh, I was really blessed to have a, a great Christian heritage, uh, uh, especially started just from both my grandfathers on both sides, and uh, passed down onto my parents, and um, I got baptized in grade 12, and it was really a start of uh, me deciding, okay, I'm going to Bible school next year. I was already planning to come and attend Nipawin. thought, man, all those other Bible school students are going to be really super uh, spiritual and they're to just uh, learn about God. I better start, uh, I better start brushing up on my, my, uh, the Bible and what it says and what that means in my life. So I um, yeah, got baptized, made that public declaration and uh, went to, to Bible school and my three years there between there and, and uh, a church that I attended in Cold Lake, Alberta was really uh, uh, an amazing uh, change in trajectory for me in just uh, living a, a life in pursuit of God <clears throat> and growing in, in, in uh, my walk with him. Um, what God's been teaching me lately over the last couple of years I think uh, has been in areas of, of uh, well, where my treasure is, what's really important in life. I can have lots of of uh, good stuff in this world and, and money. And, uh, I mean, we're called to be good stewards of our money. It's, there's nothing wrong with making money. Uh, but uh, if, I'm not, uh, if I'm not okay with losing all of that in a moment's notice because uh, something happens, then, then uh, my, my treasure is probably not where it should be. Um, so I've been uh, just really challenged in that, and uh, also just in living by the Spirit daily and what that means and what that looks like. And uh, so as I've come alongside the Bible college students and, and encouraged them in, in, uh, through discipling and mentoring and other various things, that's what God's been uh, teaching me. So uh, that's... Um, I also grew up in a Christian home and um, became a Christian when I was little. I don't remember that and just kind of lived my 
kid years, just part of a Christian home, Christian school. I was in uh, grade 10 that uh, youth groups started to be more um, meaningful to me and more focused on, on, on my relationship with God. And I was baptized that year, um, Palm Sunday of grade 10. And, um, and then the following year, I went on a, a missions trip to, with, um, with a group of people I had never, ever met before. And so it was neat to see some um, other people excited in their, in their walk with Christ and to start learning that, okay, there's, there's more, to, more to this life than just being a Christian and going to church and just because that's the way it's always been done, but to actually make that more part, uh, more part of my life. Um, it was, um, it was hard for me from there, knowing I wanted to be, wanted to give my life fully over to God, but didn't know how to get from, okay, I read my Bible, I pray, to actually having a personal relationship with Jesus. I did not know how to get there, and um, yeah, I, I was a Christian. I just didn't know how to, to make that, um, yeah, the next step to make that more real, and it was, I think, about four years ago that I met some people my own age, and in kind of the same area of life as me, and they absolutely love Jesus with their whole heart. And I'm like, wow, I have not seen that so much. And so I did everything I could to get to know them and to learn from them and to talk to them and um, and kind of be mentored a little bit by the pastor's wife at our last church just to um, really see um, how... Jesus was part of my life and see his healing and his love for me on just so many of just the little things. And um, that was probably the, the biggest growing and the biggest step in my um, walk with Christ, just really how real Jesus is and how much he wants to be part of my life and wants, yeah. And, yeah. All right, Doug. Brian Ferguson and I, had the opportunity this week to uh, meet with Jason and Lindsay and to hear um, some of what they've shared with us now and other things. Uh, we had a, a great time. Uh, we were encouraged and blessed through our conversation. And so uh, on behalf of the board, we would like to make a motion that we accept Jason and Lindsay into membership at Emmanuel Baptist Church. All right, so what we need from one of the members is just a hand to second. We've got that. And then we need um, a vote. If you are a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, you are in favor of accepting Jason and Lindsay into membership. Please indicate by raising a hand. All right. Any, well, we don't need the votes. Any opposed? If the, okay, so phew. All right, you're in. All right. Okay, here is this covenant of membership. And we'll ask you to read that, and then Doug and I will do the official thing together. Having been led by the Holy Spirit to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and to commit my life unto Him as Lord, it is my desire to be a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Nipawin, Saskatchewan. Knowing that the church is divinely instituted, I realize that membership in a local church is a privilege to be carefully assumed and maintained. Therefore, as a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, 
I will, by the grace of God, uphold its worship, practice regular vital financial stewardship, effectively witness and keep its disciplines set forth in the Constitution and bylaws of this church as they are in keeping with scriptural standards. All right. I'll take that. There. Welcome to the membership of Emmanuel Baptist Church. All right. Second Corinthians chapter nine or eight, please. If you have your Bibles with you. I'm gonna speed preach this morning. Uh, I told Dan, um, when you come up here and apologize for something, you need to start with the words, hi, my name is Dan and I'm a man. Um, and I need to start this morning, hi, my name is Bill and I'm a financial nincompoop, uh, because I wanna talk about money this morning. So um, I realize that I am skating on thin ice here and uh, treading on dangerous ground and all the rest of that, but uh, I think it's important that we talk about this. I, I normally don't do this, but it's something that we need to do. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and... Um, I'm just going to, to read one verse there and jump into verse 9. Or into, into uh, no, I want to read a couple of verses and then jump into chapter 9. I'm going to start at verse 7 there, in first Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. And we'll read um, 7, 8, and 9, and then we're going to jump to chapter 9. So verse 7 says, Paul writes to the Corinthians, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And then he starts contrasting this. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by, confer by comparing it rather with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's comparing. He said, I'm going to compare you with Jesus. Um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. And, and whatever I say to you this morning, please keep that comparison in mind that Jesus gave for us, for our sakes he became poor so, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And then chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and certainly in Saskatchewan we understand that. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, 
He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you because of the service by which you have provided yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. And here we're going back to Jesus again. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, when it comes to money, um, many of you know that I am a financial nincompoop, uh, which is why I leave the part of managing money to others, both personally and in church leadership. Now, many, if not most people, claim some expertise in this area. In many families and churches and organizations and governments, the use of money is probably one of the most contentious issues. In fact, often in business meetings, not here so much, but often in business meetings, money becomes much more of an issue than, than many other major things. And one of the big questions that is facing us this weekend, <coughs> as we look at all the damage in Alberta, is who's going to pay for all that? There, there are houses that, that you know, like, like who's going to pay for all that? Who's going to pay to repair the roads and the bridges and everything else? And ultimately, it, it will probably be you and, and, and I who will have to pay through for that some way or another. But when it comes to money management, while I may not be the brightest bulb in the world, I think I can speak with some authority when it comes to the biblical principles on money and how we are to use it. And I think it's probably appropriate to talk about it this time of year because summer in church life generally brings a huge dip in giving and, and we have to skate. Many church treasurers um, um, dread this time of the year because there's usually a dip in church income and, and the bills don't quit. So let's talk a little bit about money from a biblical perspective. And, and sometimes you need to get uh, a different perspective. I was involved in fighting a forest fire one time at, uh, in, in British Columbia. And um, as the fire was kind of winding up, one of my buddies um, talked the helicopter pilot into giving us a ride. Uh, it was really cool to be able to go up in the helicopter and, and to get a different perspective because all we saw on, on the ground was smoke and fire. And, and, and skidders going back and forth, and we were filling up skidders so they could go into the bush with their water tanks and put out fires, and, uh, and you're eating and breathing smoke all the time. And so when you get up into the helicopter, you could see where, where you know, the fire had jumped from one place to another, where we were winning, and, and, and um, you know, where we had lost, and how to make up time, and all the rest of that. So sometimes a different perspective helps us understand things at all. All right, let's talk about money. Number one, God owns it all. God owns everything. In Psalm 50, verse 9 through 12, we read these words. God says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creature of the field were mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. So God owns it all. Whatever you have, God owns 
God gives us our things, our money and our possessions to use for a while, but ultimately it all belongs to God. God owns my house. God owns my lot on which my house is sitting. God owns my vehicles. God owns my toys. God owns absolutely everything. He owns it all. He owns my bank account. And someday when I die, I will probably either lay in a box here or they will have reduced me to a little urn or something that's going to sit here. But that's all there's going to be. Just going to be me. And everything I have will be left behind. God owns it all. Secondly, not only does he own it all, uh, the stuff that you have obtained or that you have worked for with your own hands, uh, God gave you that. God gave you, when Israel came into the promised land, God said to his people, be careful that you don't forget. Be careful that you don't say to yourself, it is my own hands, it is my own sweat that have earned whatever I have here. God says, because who gives you strength to do those kinds of things? It is God who gives us <coughs> everything that I have earned. I used to pride myself and said, well, I've always worked hard with my own two hands and everything I have is the result of my own two hands. That's not true anymore. God is the one who gave me strength. God is the one who gave me the skills to operate the logging equipment and the logging trucks and, uh, and everything else that I used to do. That's all God's work. You know, I, I, was, I was a good equipment operator. I was a good truck driver. I'm better than a lot of other people, but God gave me those skills. And I earned big money doing that kind of stuff. But God is the one who gave me those skills. Now, if God owns it all, he is also entitled to a share of what I have. And you ask yourself, well, if God doesn't need it, why does he want it? Right? If God owns everything, why do I have to give some of what I have back to him? If God owns it all. If he doesn't need it, then why does he want it? Because it's not about him. It's about you and other people. When we give back to God, it helps us to remember where it all came from. It reminds us to be thankful. In the Old Testament, when God was talking about the tenth, he said that tenth is supposed to go to the temple. You are to take that tenth, and you either take it to the temple and present it at the time of sacrifice, and it's an acknowledgement. This is what God has given me. Either that or you were to sell it and bring the money to the temple and then buy other stuff for an offering. And every third year, that tenth that you have was supposed to be stored up in the town so that the Levites, who did not have any land, that the Levites, the widows, the fatherless, the foreigners, all could eat from that. People who were destitute, who needed help, there are, the, the tithes of the Israelites were to feed other people. So it helps us to remember God is entitled because he doesn't because it helps us remember where it all came from. Here's another principle. If you don't give it, God's going to get it. The biblical standard in the Old Testament was 10%. 10%, God said every 10th animal that passes under the rod is mine as the as the the owner counted all of his animals. He would hold a rod out, and every tenth animal, that one's God's. Okay, nine more, that one's God's. And God says, don't substitute. He says, those are every tenth one that goes by. One tenth of all the produce of your fields is mine, God said. But if you don't give it, God's going to get it anyway. 
There's a story in the book of Haggai. Haggai is one of the, one of the last four books in the Old Testament. And what had happened in, in the story of Haggai was that the people of Israel had been in exile in, in Babylonia, in Iraq, and they had come back. And the city of Jerusalem was lying in ruins, and the temple was burned, and it was a mess. And so they started working on rebuilding the temple, but somehow or another, things got mixed up a little bit, and it was a whole lot more important to get my house fixed up than it was to get the temple fixed up. So everybody was working on their houses and getting everything shipshape at home before they dealt with the Lord's house. And God says, think about this a little bit. He says, you're refusing to sacrifice your own stuff for my sake, but think, take a look at yourself, God says. You put your money in your purse only to find out it's got holes in it. He said, everything that you've gathered, the wind has blown away. And if you don't give it, God's going to get it. One way or another, you have the opportunity of presenting it to God and saying, God, would you bless this? Or if the other side is, if you're going to say, I'm not giving anything to God, or I'm only giving him a little bit, I'm not giving him that much, that's way too much. God says, give thought to your ways, I will bless you. You see, when you withhold stuff from God, when you withhold either your resources or your money or your time or yourself from God, when you withhold things from God, you not only wind up robbing yourself of the blessing, but you also wind up excuse me, hurting yourself and those around you. And the reality is you can't afford not to give. You can't afford not to give. Why not? Because if you do give, God's going to bless it. In the book of Malachi, God makes an accusation. Last book of the Old Testament, and you can check it out for yourself in Malachi chapter 3. In the Old Testament, God makes an accusation uh, to his people and says, you have robbed me. You have stolen from me. And the people say, what? What do you mean we have stolen from you? And God says, you have not given me the tenth that you owe me. You have robbed me. And then God gives us this, in, this invitation. He says, bring the full tenth into the storehouse. Bring in the tenth and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and bless you so richly that you don't know what to do with it. We're not supposed to test God. The Israelites tested God when they wandered in the desert. And God invites us. This is the only time in Scripture that God invites us to test Him. God says, test me on this. Test me. Test me. Let me. Give me a chance here. And I wonder sometimes, why do we find this so hard? Because it hits so close to home. You see, everybody's worried about their wallet. We all have some expertise in the use of money, and we're worried that if we give God too much, we're going to go short. God says, test me. Test me. Let me run you quickly through some objections and try and answer them. Some people will say, well, this is Old Testament versus New Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, it was a commandment that God gives a tenth. And, and the passage you read earlier, each man should decide in his own heart what he needs to give so the tenth is no longer, is no longer um, binding upon us. You know what? 
Jesus never said in the Old Testament, by the way, let's forget about this tenth business. He never said that. In fact, what he did say, he got on the case of the Pharisees, uh, and, and in Matthew tw- chapter 23, there's a whole series of woes that Jesus pronounces on the Pharisees. And one of the things he, he criticized the Pharisees, he says, you tithe everything, you bunch of hypocrites. Uh, and he said, you tithe off the herbs that you get out of your garden, and you meticulously set aside a tenth for that. And Jesus said, you should have, yeah, th- that's not wrong to do that, but what you're doing is you're neglecting, you're, you're majoring on little stuff, and you should be working on the big stuff. Jesus said, he didn't say you should have left that alone. He said, yeah, you need to do that, but you also need to do this. You should have done the former, Jesus said, without neglecting the latter. And my personal feeling is that the tenth is a place where we start, not a place where we stop. You see, the tenth is not a gift, it's an obligation. The tenth doesn't start until, or the gift doesn't start until the tenth is taken care of. If I owe God the tenth, that's my obligation to him. My giving starts after that. And just so you don't accuse me of being a hypocrite, Kathy and I give the tenth. It comes here. It comes off the cross, right off the top. And it comes here to Emmanuel Baptist Church. And then we give beyond that. We have, we have foster kids and we have other people that we have adopted and, and my wife's gift, I think, is giving and it's absolutely astounding what she did in terms of giving money away. And you know what? We don't miss it. Because God is no person's debtor. When you give to God, God gives you back. And you know what? I don't, we don't miss it. God has blessed us abundantly. When we came to Nippon, we had absolutely sweet zip, and God has blessed us abundantly. We support the family. Some people will say, I can't afford to give a tenth. I had one person say that to me in another church that I pastored. He said, you can look at my books. I can't afford it. And here's the reality. If you wait to see what you have left over after all your monthly expenses have been met, you'll never have enough. God's share comes off the top, not off the bottom, not from the leftovers. God gets the priority, not me. Kathy and I learned to tithe in the leanest times of our lives. It was 1980, and we sold absolutely everything we had. We moved to Three Hills, Alberta to go to Bible school. And that's where we learned to tithe. One of the hardest things to do was to quit working because up until then, I'd always earned my living with my own two hands. And I quit working, and I went to school, and we learned to give out of everything. Our home church supported us. My mom and dad supported us. Money came out of nowhere. I have no idea how we did it. We, went, we had enough money for one year of school. It ran out in February of the first year. We stayed for four more years. And we learned to tithe. We gave a tenth, and then we gave beyond that, something called a faith promise offering. We gave beyond that. One summer, I didn't work at all. I went on tour with a, with a, with a men's singing team. Um, then I took some extra classes, and then we spent the summer with Northern Canada Evangelical Mission doing mission work, uh, a, a program called Northern Missionary Training Camp, and we wound up in Sturgeon Landing, not too far from here. 
When we left Three Hills to drive to Lac La Biche for our week of training, we'd filled the car up, I had enough gas to get to Lac La Biche, and I had $30 in my pocket. That was it. We paid, paid for our summer ministry with NCEM. I had $30 in my pocket, and that $30 was the tenth of $300 that someone had given us. We'd used it to pay off whatever. I had $30 left. It was God's share. Now, we were heading into a summer where we would probably be without electricity and without running water for the summer. We had two small children. What are we going to do? So I took that $30 and I went to the hardware store. Maggie, can you put that picture up? This is my beautiful wife. 31 years ago. You recognize that thing she's working on? I took that $30 and I bought a scrub board because I figured it was all we were going to have for washing our clothes that summer. And by the way, if you ever try and wash blue jeans on one of those things, it took two of us to wring that stuff out. Laundry was an all-day event, and it took the two of us to do it. But I, out of those $30, I took 13 and I bought that washboard. I felt so guilty. That was God's money. So we left with our washboard <laughs> for Lac La Biche. And the first thing we did when we got to the campus of Kiwait and Bible Institute was, oh, that money was just burning in my pocket because it was the Lord's. It wasn't mine. So we gave it away. Okay, now we're broke. We have no money whatsoever. And Kathy needed to do laundry, and she didn't even have enough money to go to town and use the laundromat, so we started using that thing there already, I think. But you know what? God is faithful. Someone else gave us money. And we gave the tenth out of that, and I gave the $13 back, and Kathy had enough money to go to town to Lac La Biche and, and, and do the laundry and the laundromat. And we went off for the summer, no idea how we were going to get home because we only had enough gas to get to Lac La Biche. And God looked after us. We spent the summer in Sturgeon Landing, went back to school, uh, went back to, to Lac La Biche, all the way back to Three Hills again, and two more years of Bible school after that. I have no idea where it came from. But I took that verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. God looked after us. God has richly blessed us, but we have learned to give the tenth and more, lots more. Because God is no person's debtor. When you give to God, you don't miss it. Some people will say, you can kill that, Maggie. Some people will say that there are too many people with their hands out, and that's true. Kathy and I are inundated with requests for money, 
and so are we as a church, and I don't know what the answer is, and you need to scrutinize. The other day, I learned of a, of a, uh, a breast cancer charity in the United States, not a Christian group, but a well-known breast cancer charity. I think the CEO, the chief executive officer of that particular charity, makes something like $750,000 a year. Um, you know, when you donate to something like that, you may want to think uh, where that, some of that money is going. Some people will say, well, I don't agree with some of the decisions that are made by Emmanuel Baptist Church. And, you know, we need to, we need to uh, be careful where we give. But the reality is we still can't outgive God. And sometimes we at Emmanuel Baptist Church make a decision that maybe you don't like. Or maybe you decide you want a pet project that the church isn't prioritizing the way you like. But the reality is that we make decisions as a family and we need to stick together even when we disagree. Or some people may say, well, it's summertime and I have other priorities. And please don't forget the Lord's work over the summer. Whether it's us, whether it's Torch, whether it's the Bible College, whether it's anything else that you support, uh, the bills keep coming. And, and I would urge you not to neglect your giving over the course of the summer. And for some of you, this is nothing new. I know that you've learned a long time ago and it's not even an issue. The 10th is something that is taken care of. But for others of you, this may be a challenge. But let me encourage you to take this on. God says, test me. This is the only time that we're tested or that we're invited to test God. God says, test me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. And uh, it's certainly something that I can say is true from our particular perspective. Wow. It's late. <laughs> All right, let's stand together and uh, we'll pray. We will dismiss you. Father, you've said that if we put you first, if we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that all our needs will be taken care of. And somehow we find that really hard to put into practice. But Lord, it's true, you're no man's debtor. Thank you for the invitation to test you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to put that to the test. And I pray that even in the skinny times, even in the hard times of life, that you would bless and encourage and strengthen us and help us to walk in faith even when it's hard. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Grant us a great day today with families and friends and whatever it is you have planned for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful day, and uh, we're dismissed.